0: Holy God and gracious God, thank you for your word. By the power of the Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, to see you, love you evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. I have to admit, this year I've been enjoying Christmas songs a little bit more than in past years. It's not that I don't enjoy them, but this year I've enjoyed them a little bit more. Right? Just to be able to sing them. And there's so many of them. You know, one of the ones that uh, often gets sung is Joy to the World. That's often a favorite, and we will be singing that. That's in the rotation, so don't worry. But, uh, it, you know, Joy to the World, the Lord is come. Not has come, but is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And I think that's really the advent. Message, isn't it? Let every heart prepare his room. Just as it says in Isaiah that we read, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So as we prepare in Advent, we prepare our hearts to grow ever more in love of knowledge of Jesus as Lord and Savior, who has come, his first Advent that Christmas, and we also prepare our heart for His second coming, His second Advent. And so it really is about preparing our hearts, isn't it? But you start to wonder, you know, with with the Christmas season, there is a lot of preparation that goes on, Christmas cards, there's events, parties. Putting up the lights this year was a miracle. I got the lights up just right after Thanksgiving. I don't think that's ever happened before. Of course, we're in Arizona and it was nice. So, but you know, stuff like that and a lot of times have you noticed that some people just get so busy that you're tired by the time Christmas arrives? I know some people who get so busy they kind of it's almost the bah humbug sort of thing with advent because it's too much work. I used to do a really nice Christmas letter. Long. I would spend time with it. This is before I became a pastor, by the way. But became this chore to do. And I was grumpy, you know, sealing those envelopes. Merry Christmas, right? All that stuff. Is that what Advent is about? Is that what preparing our hearts is about? It isn't, is it? There's so much more about the focus of really what it's all about. You see, the whole message of Christmas is what the Lord has done for us. He has prepared everything. He has done everything for us. And we are to remember, we are to fill our hearts with what God has done for us. We are to receive what the Lord has done for us. This is Advent. This is what Christmas is really all about. And you have to marvel, don't you? You have to marvel at how wonderfully he prepared everything. I was trying to think of an example that might help. You know, when you, when you take a look at a, a diamond and you move it in a certain light and then it starts to reflect and you see more color and as you turn it you see more and more things and you can just marvel at that. For me, diamonds are, re- for a lot of people, diamonds are really special. I like opals myself. All the different colors you can see in opals. And I just sit and marvel at that beauty. This is kind of how it is with, uh, with the word of the Lord. We marvel at what he has done. So do you remember last week, if you were here, Zachariah's name? The Lord has remembered. He remembered his promises throughout and that he would actually have a son. And his son's name, it means God has been gracious or God has shown favor. And we also talked about Malachi, the prophecy that there would be one in the spirit of Malachi, uh, 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 of Elijah. There would be one in the spirit of Elijah. And John was in the spirit of Elijah, getting ready, people ready, preparing their hearts for the Lord. So this morning, we're going to take a look at God's word, the diamond, the beauty of it. And we're going to take a look at three things this morning, how he has wonderfully prepared for the arrival of Christ Jesus, our Savior. We're going to first take a look at the place, then the parents, and then the son. So let's take a look at the place. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from a city from god to a city of galilee named nazareth you know it's really easy to let these first sentences go by it's like a prologue you know it's like okay get done with that and then we can just move on but if you do that you miss certain things and even in this god has put some details in there that we should pause that we should take a look at the first thing you have to know it says a city of galilee named nazareth Now, Galilee, that area, so the area of Galilee, was known and despised by Jews of the day. It was inhabited by a religiously mixed population, which included Gentiles, and Gentiles were unclean by the law. So, the Jews of the day would derogatorily say, that if somebody was from there, they were a Galilee of the Gentiles. That was what the name was. Now, I know this can be kind of like a history lesson, and I don't want it to be a history lesson. I want you to understand the the impact that this has. So, uh, for a long time in my life, I lived in South Minneapolis. South Minneapolis is a pretty large area. And if you said you were from a certain place in South Minneapolis... That meant something. So, for example, if you were on Chicago Avenue and Lake Street, not a good place to hang out. Okay? If you were on 36th and Chicago, 36th Street and Chicago, not a great neighborhood either. That's where George Floyd was killed. By the way, our home was about six blocks from there. Okay? We were just on the edge. You could hear gunshots, you know, when we lived there. But there were other areas. There was an area called Powderhorn Park. Really nice little area, but they had a May Day festival every year. And if you want to see paganism, you go to the May Day festival. So if you said Powderhorn Park, you knew what that meant. Do you get the sense of that? So when they said Galilee of the Gentiles... It meant something. And the city of Nazareth was this little village. They believed during the time of Jesus it was maybe 200 people or less. And so that Jesus would be in the area of Galilee of Nazareth was like a double negative against him already. He was an area that was despised. But Jesus himself was despised, wasn't he? See, if you take a look, we read this during Lent, but it fits here too. Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, normally, again, we quote that during Lent, but it fits here. That's where he came from. And I think the lesson in this is that God uses what we consider foolish to shame the wise. God doesn't work according to our plans. He works according to his plans. And we have to marvel at that. And we have to take him at his word. Let's go now to the parents. It says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So, the first thing I want to focus on here is the house of David. Coming from the house of David was very important. If you take a look at Matthew, the genealogy from Joseph goes back to David. And in Luke chapter 3, the genealogy of Mary goes back to David as well. So, why is it important to go back to David? Well, it's because God made a promise. A thousand years before Jesus was born, God made a promise. And we find this promise in Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 7. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God promised that from David would come a royal king. Someone whose throne would be established forever and ever. Not a political rule on earth which always fades away, but a heavenly kingdom which would be for eternity Not one made by laws of man, but one made by God, full of love and grace and mercy. And it would affect all of the lives of those who call Jesus Lord and Master, Lord and Savior. It's a kingdom of righteousness. And we enter into that kingdom by being born again. That's how important this line of David is. And it's a promise that God gave a thousand years earlier. Now, I want to focus a little bit on Mary here. It says that she was a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph. This, again, also was prophesied in the time of Isaiah. Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, you should know, by the way, there are people who say that this verse in Isaiah really doesn't mean what we think it means. They would say that that word virgin could also mean young maid. And because it's young maid, it really isn't a prophecy. And by the way, it could be translated as young maid. But people will point that out and say, well, there's your death knell to your faith, right? You have a false faith. Hardly. You just let Scripture interpret Scripture, and you see that it really is Mary who is a virgin. I mean, she said herself in our reading from Luke, how will this be since I'm a virgin? It can only mean that. So we let Scripture interpret Scripture. But why is that pointed out so clearly? Well, there are three reasons for that. The first is, God is fulfilling his promise from hundreds of years ago. God said, and it came to fruition. That should be sufficient for us, shouldn't it? But there's more to it. The conception of Jesus was truly an act of God. A miracle. So, not just a woman who got pregnant an act of god a miracle and from this miracle jesus would not be under the curse of original sin he really was sinless and he thus he also lived a perfect sinless life and therefore he could be a perfect sacrifice for our sins Do you see the precision the preparation that god has done with mary But I want to dive a little bit deeper this morning because there is a confusion that occurs and especially within the Roman Catholic Church who have elevated Mary to such a great height often above Jesus. So it says this. It says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, In the King James Version, you would hear, Hail Mary, full of grace, right? And that's part of the rosary that's prayed. Hail Mary, full of grace. So what do we do with that? Well, in the Latin translation, and thus the King James, hail. Do you know what hail means? If I said hail, hello, that's it. Hello. Hail, good friend. Just means hello. It is a greeting. It is a warm greeting. So the angel Gabriel was giving a warm greeting to Mary. Now that's not the that's not the harder part. The harder part of this is really it says, "Full of grace." Our translation, by by the way, says, "O favored one, full of grace." This is difficult because we start to think that Mary had grace within her already. But if you take a look at the word, it actually does mean, oh, favored one. And it's just one word, by the way, oh, favored one. It also means to be made accepted. So God made accepted, oh, favored one. Let me just put it this way. God didn't find grace within Mary. Rather, he bestowed his grace upon her. That's really the intent of what's being said here. God favored Mary, not because she was perfect, not because she had grace within her, but because of his grace, which is greater than all of us together. He chose her for this wonderful and beautiful beautiful ministry of giving birth the son of God and this should be good news for us too by the way because if God had to find grace within me I would never be given his grace because I don't have that any grace that I have comes from him who is the source of all grace this is good news This is good news for all of us. Now, at the same time, she was highly favored, right? She was blessed. And we should understand how she was blessed. And we should have respect for her, just as we would have respect for Paul or for John or for Peter or for any of the saints. But the good news in all of this is that God uses imperfect vessels For his purposes. By his grace, God takes people who are fallen or less than perfect and uses them for his holy and perfect purposes. I mean, that's really good news. Right? God uses us. Many a days, I think, God, you're using me. I'm a cracked clay pot. You know, I think Clayton might be a good name for me, right? A clay pot, cracked, leaking... Holes, all of chips, all of that, and I think you're using me. It's the same with you. God will use you for His holy, for His perfect purposes. I think that's good news, isn't it? Amen. So we've seen how the place has been picked. We have seen God's preparation and for the family. Now let's take a look at the Son. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So we've already covered the lineage of David a bit, and we've touched upon the prophecy in Isaiah. But I want to go a little bit further in Isaiah and take a look at what Isaiah said and what the angel Gabriel said. They both begin with behold. That means pay attention, listen up. Isaiah says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, Gabriel said, you will conceive, you, Mary, the virgin will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Same parallel, right? and shall call his name emmanuel and you shall call his name jesus and here's where i want to dive in a little bit more the name of the son as we've talked about names mean something when god gives a name it's important and so he has a name emmanuel and emmanuel means what god with us god With us. But here, his name is Jesus. And a lot of people don't know what the name Jesus actually means. So if you take a look, Yeshua, that's the Hebrew Aramaic. Okay? So in the Greek, and finally to to Latin, uh, Latin and then English, we get Jesus, Yeshua. Now, that actually goes back, if you want to trace it all the way, to the Old Testament, Joshua. And if you think, well, what does Joshua mean? Well, it actually means the Lord is salvation, or the Lord saves. So the name of Jesus means the Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation. Salvation. Again, this is really clear. Matthew chapter 1. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God came to be with us to save us. From our sin. That's the name you proclaim when you say Jesus, God saves us, or the Lord is salvation. And the angel Gabriel also says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, to be called the Son of the Most High, it actually stresses. The Lord's sovereignty. And it does not mean that the Son is lesser than the Father. To say Son of the Most High it means they have the same exact essence. They are the same. And he will be great. Great as the Most High. Performing miracles. Clearing salvation, dying, being risen from the dead, providing salvation all to all who call upon his name. Philippians says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name of That is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He would be called great and would be called Son of the Most High. Are you preparing to receive Him? The Son of the Most High. To bow your knee, to confess Him as Lord and Savior, this is what Advent is all about. This is what our faith is all about. Now, if you were Mary, hearing the angel Gabriel talk, it would be pretty hard to take in, wouldn't it? So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read through 38. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, unlike Zechariah's uh, response last week that we talked about with Gabriel, it wasn't disbelief. Remember, Zechariah had disbelief, and because he disbelieved, he was silent all for the entire pregnancy. But this is not the case with Mary. She was just perplexed not understanding how will this be, not comprehending. I mean, how can you comprehend the marvelous majesty of God? That song that we also sing a lot during this Christmas time, Mary, did you know? That one, just trying to take in. So here's how Mary prepared and here's how I think we can prepare ourselves for this season. First of all, Humble yourself before the Lord. She didn't have complete understanding. She didn't know all the exact details. But she didn't argue. She didn't barter. She was willing to be a servant of the Lord and she came before him humbly. She also meditated. She pondered on the words spoken to her. And this is what we all need to do. We all need to take the word of God. You don't have to read volumes, but maybe it's just a paragraph, a verse. And you ponder it. And you look at it like a diamond. And you look at it from different angles. And see the beauty of God in there. See the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. And so she also then trusted his word. She said, let it be to me according to your word. This is what Jesus did also with the Father. He humbled himself, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I know there's a lot of busyness during this time of year. I understand that, and it's actually fun in many ways, but don't let that overtake you what is truly important, which is preparing your heart for the Lord. Let earth receive her king. Amen.